Hi, I'm Zach, and welcome to the IB Voices podcast, where students, teachers, and education experts share their passion for the IB and bring our programs to life. In the IB Career Related Program, or CP, the Reflective Project is one of four core components of the program. It is an in-depth body of work produced over an extended period of time. As students are working on the Reflective Projects, they are supported by a supervisor at their school. Once projects are completed, the school must standardize their marking internally, meaning the supervisors discuss the criteria to come to an agreed-upon understanding of their application to the marking of projects. In today's episode, I'm joined by Wilma Shen, the IB Career-Related Program Coordinator at Renaissance College in Hong Kong. Today, she shares with us her school's strategies for the Reflective Project Supervisor Training and Marking Standardization. So we know that the Reflective Project Supervisor in the Career-Related Program plays an important role in supporting students as they complete the Reflective Project. Could you briefly describe how your school identifies and trains the Reflective Project Supervisors? The way we do it, we introduce the Reflective Project to our Year 1 CP students around January, February each year. And it's around the same time we will begin the pairing of the students and their supervisors. Also around the same time, we will do the supervisor training. Since we work with our external career-related study partners for our various CP pathways, we will allocate the supervisor whose subject area aligns with the student's career-related studies. For example, if a student's career-related study is on arts and design, then we will pair in the supervisor who's a diploma arts or design teacher and another student whose career-related study is on musical theater, then she or he will be paired with a performing arts teacher. So I would first give the supervisors a training on the requirements of the reflective project and the projected timeline for the process. Almost all of our staff members are extended essay supervisors, so my main focus for the training is to lay out the differences between the extended essay and the reflective project. For example, the ethical dilemma in the career-related context, the international dimension, the intercultural understanding, and the alternative format that the students can opt for. We will also look at the use of reflection on the planning and progress form, the researchers' reflection space, and the problem areas. So then during the training workshop, we will also provide a lot of different examples and scenarios and have the teachers work together to develop and refine a good ethical research question. For example, we will give each teacher the same topic, such as alternative vehicles. And this can lead to so many different angles and perspectives. Some teachers will focus on the price challenge. Some will look at the monopoly of the market by a few automobile companies. And some others will pay attention to the problem shifting that companies using less than sustainable components to their reliance on the electric grids on the electronic cars. In the training, we will do a lot of practices on how to help students design a good research question that is related to their chosen ethical dilemma. We will have them look at a few questions that the students have come up with and give advice on how to improve those questions so that the question goes beyond the limit of the original observation and can lead to more than one right answer. 
That's really great. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, being able to address the type of question that will result in the most reflective answer. I think that that distinction is really important. And I can see how being able to identify the way that you ask a question, not only, of course, useful for the reflective project, but beyond school, beyond higher education, into the workplace where workers need to know more than just the how. There needs to be a reflective element. So another question that I have is standardization. Can you explain what standardization is and how that works at your school? Well, standardization is a process where all of the supervisors mark the reflective projects work together to double check their marking and to verify that they are consistently applying the same standards, same criteria. So how does it work at our school? We would divide the supervisors into different pod groups. Each group will have three to four people and the students' projects are selected randomly from each of the supervisor group. And the supervisors within each of the pod groups are then asked to mark the report according to the criteria. We will use a Google form for submission and for data collection to avoid peer influence. So then after this, we will organize a meeting to discuss the discrepancies and apply justification for the grade given. So initially, we just conducted this internal standardization once at the end of the final report was submitted. But now we have expanded to two stages, one internal within the school and one external with six other CP schools under the English Schools Foundation Hong Kong, shortened for ESF. So then the internal standardization will happen as usual after the final report is submitted. So how has this attention to detail and this time commitment impacted your program? Well, I think this had a huge impact to us. For me, mainly in three areas, I think. First is one positive result I have witnessed has been an increase in the interest from our staff members who want to engage with the RP process. This internal and external standardization process has made our staff members to be more interested in the process of the reflective project. As I mentioned before, most of our staff members have the extended essay supervision experience, but they know very little about the RP in the CP context. So the workshop training and the standardization procedure can open their eyes to a very different type of research work that has a lot of applied elements and a real-world career perspectives. So since then, we have seen an increased interest from our staff members to engage with the reflective project process. Some of them even commented that they enjoy this supervision experience more than that of the extended essay because the close connection with the students' career-related studies and the ethical dilemma in the real world-of-work context. The second benefit or impact for us was that we're able to achieve more consistent and accurate marking for our students' work. Sometimes it's very difficult to maintain objective when marking your own students' work because you have built this relationship over the past 10 to 11 months to provide guidance, feedback, and support. And sometimes this can cloud your judgment. So having this internal standardization will help minimize this effect and give everyone a chance to express their rationale and debate on any of the discrepancies. 
Also, the process of the external standardization gave us a sense of where we stood in our marking compared to the benchmark used by other schools. This result is that our final marking become more accurate and consistent over the years. This has demonstrated by the end results and the feedback released by the IB. And finally, the third benefit for us is that the external standardization has really improved our understanding of the RP as we get to see a much larger variety of the student sample work. For example, the first year when we did this, we were able to see two alternative formats from another school whereby the student featured a recorded interview and another student featured a documentary on fast fashion. We were also able to see sample works from um, different topics such as mechanic engineering and sports science. This all gave us a very good opportunity to see what topics and what kind of ethical dilemmas are chosen by the students in their school and what kind of primary and secondary sources they are using to collect their data. All of them are very good food for thought for us about how we can guide our students better in the future. Yeah, I can imagine. Were there any sort of challenges that you encountered in planning and the implementation of the supervisor training or the standardization? And if so, how did you address these? I think the key challenge is to ensure that all the teacher supervisors understand the requirements of the reflective project. For example, the chosen ethical dilemma needs to be associated with the student's career-related studies, and the chosen research question needs to have more than one right answer and requires the use of argument uh, rather than just address a phenomena or, or answering the what and how question. So to address this, we put a lot of emphasis in the teacher-supervisor training to address the two common problematic areas. One is a descriptive versus interrogative essay, and the other one is a creation of a good research question. So by practicing and experiencing the development of a good research question themselves, the teachers then are better able to understand what the students need to know. And so they are able to guide the students and make them also more confident and more eager to serve as the supervisors for this process. Another challenge is to scaffold the ethics and ethical dilemma for students and supervisors. When supervisors give feedback to students, it is very, very important that they help the students see the different dimensions of an ethical dilemma and lead the students to explore the various stakeholders' perspectives and viewpoints. So to tackle this, we used some very useful and effective tools to help scaffold the ethical issue. Two of the very useful tools that we use, one is called the ethical thinking analysis. So this method involves answering seven what questions. What are the facts, the ethical issues, the alternatives, the stakeholders, the ethics of the alternatives, and the practical constraints and the actions to take. So if the students can answer all the seven what questions, they will have a clear, clearer idea of the different stakeholders' perspectives and viewpoints. Another method is the McCannbox, which is a graphic organizer, whereby the evaluation and analyzation of the data can be divided into four big areas. One area is called the situation, another is called the conflicts and the values, and the third area is the traditions and the principles, and lastly, the fourth area is the decisions. 
So those tools can really help um, both the supervisors and the students to dissect the ethical dilemma, leading the students to explore the dilemma from different perspectives and undertake their research accordingly. You mentioned that your standardization process has grown since you first started it. And I think that a lot of schools, when they listen to IB Voices, they love what they hear that's happening at other schools, but they're not exactly sure how to implement the wonderful things that they're hearing. So my question to you is, how did the standardization process grow? How did that happen? And how has it changed since? It has grown a lot since when we first started the internal standardization. I consider myself very lucky in my first year supervising the Reflective Project. Our former vice principal at that time, who's also the RP supervisor coordinator, he gave me a lot of training and guidance, and we had a very small cohort of students. So that first year when we did internal standardization, it was just the two of us. I learned so much from him through this process. I then continued this practice each year with other teacher supervisors. Then around three years ago, another secondary school under the English Schools Foundation was in their second year of running the CP and their CP coordinator reached out to me because he couldn't find good examples of the students' work under the new revised criteria. So I thought about the practice I went through in my first year and how useful that was for me to have the proper hands-on experience and the direct feedback afterwards. So I suggested that we should meet up and do the standardization together. At that time, both of us had already received markings from our students' first draft, so we were keen to see where we stood with each other's standards. We then sent some of our students' work to each other, and then we scheduled a meeting afterwards to compare our markings. The good thing is that for me, he had two students that year who's doing the alternative formats, and we haven't had any students yet. So I was very interested to see those students work and have a go myself marking those work. And we both enjoyed and benefited from this process so much that straight away we decided let's going to make it annual practice for us. Then the following year, another ESF school started a CP program and then we reached out to their new CP coordinator. And of course, she was very keen to learn and wanted to use our process as a good training for herself. So it just grows like that. In the third year, there were three more schools that either started implementing the CP or became a CP candidate school. And we just got bigger and bigger in the circle. So again, everyone immediately considered this a very good idea and a very good training for the new teachers who were involved in this process. And I remember that uh, in the first year, a couple of teachers were quite off target uh, in their first marking compared to those of us who have had a few years of practice. But it was a very good lesson for them to realize where they went wrong. So now there are seven CP schools under the English Schools Foundation and it has become a norm for us. We've just scheduled for this year external standardization to be on this Friday. So we're going to do again with our students' first draft. That's amazing. So how did you create the local partnerships and get the buy-in from other schools and teachers to do this standardization among this regional group of schools? I think actually initially this was out of necessity rather than buy-in. 
because at that time, otherwise we will be doing this on our own without knowing what others are doing or what kind of reference we are using as a benchmark. So personally, I feel it doesn't really take much convincing for us, the two schools who started it, and for other schools to join in after doing it. Because once we do it once, we see the benefits straight away. And to some extent, this offers a better training than the initial workshop, because in training, you can read the criteria, you can talk about what makes a good project, but it's all in theory. So when you actually do it in practice, you realize it's a whole new different arena altogether. I admit it's a time and resource commitment for each of the school, but we find it to be very valuable. And we also have more consistent results at the IB moderation stage. I agree with that completely. <laughs> <laughs> so has online and virtual collaboration, especially as we've switched now more to online and virtual collaboration, has that impacted your training and standardization process? Not really. I would say we always use the mixed method of both online. We use Google Forms for submission of the marks and the individual rationale, for example. And then we use kind of face-to-face -face in the past. So it's always a mixed method. So I think the change to online hasn't really changed or affected this process. Instead of face-to-face -face meetings for review and discussion, we can now just conduct a virtual meeting for the latter part of the standardization process. Well, that makes sense. So before we go, I have one last question. What one piece of advice would you give to other schools wanting to improve their internal standardization process? I have to say, having gone through the process myself and having reaped the benefits of conducting this internal and external standardization process, I would strongly encourage every CP schools to really form this alliance with other schools in the region or in the area and apply this process in addition to their internal marking and standardization. I think this can serve both as a process for quality control and as a great training opportunity for any new teacher supervisors or any new coordinators. Especially now with the advancement of technology, I think we can do this very easily and conveniently without really adding cost to the school. I think the biggest beneficiary in this practice is the students. When the teacher supervisors understand the requirements better, and they can provide concrete guidance and feedback to lead the students on a very exciting, rewarding, exploratory journey. The students enjoy the process better, and very often as a result, they will produce higher quality work for their reflective project. The students are always the best touchstone for everything that we do in schools. Thank you yeah. so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Ms. Shen, for sharing your insight with us today. And thank you all for joining us. For additional information about today's topic, visit ibo.org cp, or click the link in today's episode description to see a related learning story. To check out more episodes of IB Voices and to never miss a new release, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us next time with more stories from students, schools, educators, and more.